Would you turn please to Matthew 16 this morning? Matthew the 16th chapter. Matthew 16 and 13, Jesus came to the coast of Caesarea Philippi. He asked his disciples, he said, whom do men say that I, the son of man, am? They said, some say you're John the Baptist, some Elijah, others say you're Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, but whom say you that I am? What do you say? Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Glory to God. Does it matter what you think about Jesus and who you say that he is? Well, your eternity, your salvation depends on it. And it's true with every man and woman on the planet. Say it out loud. He is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Praise God. Aren't you glad you know that? And you believe that? You're not confused about it? Say it once again. He is. The Christ, the Son of the living God, and He's my Lord. Glory to God. That's how you get saved, you know. He went on to say, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, of flesh and blood has not revealed it to you, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say to you that you are Peter, a word for rock or stone that could be picked up and moved. And upon this rock, another word, rock like a mountain, on this rock, I will build my church. On what rock? The rock of the Christ, the son of the living God. I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Glory to God. Glory to God. Is he building his church? Is it important to him? Is it a priority to him? Should it be to us? On this rock I will build my church. My church, he says. Aren't you glad he claims us? (laughs) He says we're his church. He says you're my church. What do we say? Yes. 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 We are, Lord. We are your church. That's who we are. And you're our Lord. And the gates of hell. The authority of hell. The power and ability of hell cannot prevail or overcome the church, nor can it withstand it. Gates keep people in or keep people out. And these gates are no match for the church. Can't hold us in. Can't keep us out. Right? The gates of hell shall not prevail, which means the church prevails. In the book of Acts, you'll see from time to time, it'll say the word of God grew mightily and prevailed. Whole cities were shook. So many people got saved until people came out and made huge bonfires of all their books of sorcery and and devil worship and and idolatry, didn't they? Remember? I mean, whole cities were shook. In fact, you know, the people who made the little idols got so upset and so mad, they tried to turn the authorities against Paul and against others. And they said, they called them, they said, these men have turned the world upside down. They have just absolutely come in here and turned our world upside down. Well, the problem was their world was upside down and needed to be straightened up. 
But I think, I know, that so much of the church has a wrong mentality. They have a mentality that we need to find our little corner where we can come and get in our spot and be different. And we worship God and we shout and we speak in tongues and we talk about faith. And then we got to go back out into that old bad world. And we're different, but we've got our little safe place over here where we can come back and we can get in here and be different. No, that's not what happened in the book of Acts. That's not what we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be changing our areas. We're supposed to be causing ripples. We're supposed to be making waves. Not because we're mean and loud and demanding. It's just because we're here and saved and powerful and healed and rich and unashamed and are not going away. And we're after you. So you're after me? Yeah. We want you saved. We want you in the kingdom of God. We're after you. But I don't want it. We'll ask you again tomorrow. We don't quit. If people can be loud and bold about their sin, why should we be intimidated and think we have to hide our Christianity? Absolutely not. I said, absolutely not. We should have the mentality that, hey, glory to God, everybody's going to get saved. (laughs) You know, people waste their time. I know it's a strong statement, but listen, they waste their time fighting sin. Fighting pornography. Fighting drunkenness. Hmm? If enough people get saved. And get their minds renewed. And don't buy the magazine. They will quit making it. Because they are only in it for the money. Right? If enough people get saved. And start living right. And control themselves. And honor their bodies. And nobody goes to the clinic. For an abortion. They will close it. Some people don't like this, but you need to hear it. Don't focus on the negative. Focus on the positive. Don't just work on the aftermath or the effects of something. Go to the cause. Go to the cause. Go to the root. Are you with me? People get saved. And they get full of God. And they get full of faith. And they love God with all their heart. And they learn how to be led by the Spirit. The other stuff comes off. I said it comes off. And you get enough of the people like that. There won't be enough business to sustain the other stuff. They will fade away without you hollering or yelling one time. (laughs) They just won't have the support. But you can fuss and you can carry on. I mean it's kind of like prohibition. Hmm? People made so much noise about prohibition. And they got the laws passed. And they shut it down. Or did they? No, it just moved. As long as people, I mean, it was proven, wasn't it? If people want to drink, somebody's going to make liquor and they're going to drink. 
Just trying to shut it off doesn't fix it. If somebody wants to look at pornographic magazines, they're going to get them. You can holler all you want to. You can make all the noise you want to. That's not the solution. What is the solution? The church advancing. The church being increased by people. Two major things. People getting born again and getting in the church. And the people that's in the church growing up. Growing up. And you get enough of the people in the church. It's going to end. What's happening? When the people come in the church, they're coming out of something. It has happened in this nation. In this nation, oh, 100 years ago and 200 years ago, there have been cities where people came and preached and they had such revivals that every, uh, what we'd call honky-tonk or bar, place of ill repute, shut down just from sheer lack of business. Now that happened with Paul in the book of Acts with the silversmiths. And they got so mad and upset because people weren't buying their little idol, silver idols. Because Paul preached and said, if it's made with hands, it ain't a God. And a bunch of the people got saved and they quit buying that junk. And they're hurting, they're going out of business. So they start screaming and hollering and boy, you got waves, you got revival and riot. But glory to God, at least you got something going on. You're not just sitting over trying to hide somewhere. We are not here to be put under a bushel. We're supposed to be set up on a candlestick and shine. And some people are like it and some people won't. But at least something's going on. (laughs) I believe you and I and the whole church in the earth is on the verge of a move of God. And it is God's will to manifest himself. And for people that normally wouldn't look twice at the church and the things of God. Will have to sit up and go, what is that? What's going on? We're not supposed to be a secret. I know when we first came here. I've always been averse to, uh, I don't know, a lot of public relations type thing and advertising. And a good friend of mine, bless his heart, he was helping me out. He said, well, have y'all let anybody know that you're going to have a church? I said, well, not many. (laughs) He said, well, Brother Keith, you can't have a secret church. (laughs) People have to know that you're going to be there. (laughs) He was trying to help me. Well, you don't want to just be self-absorbed and put yourself forward. But at the same time... You don't want to hide. And nobody knows that we got anything going on. God wants this thing on the hilltop. He wants it on the candle stand. Doesn't he? He wants it shining. He wants people seeing it. He wants people hearing it. How many believe he could multiply this church and others all around the world until the message is getting out and the word is getting out and manifestations? What are signs and wonders? What's a sign? Did you see any signs coming in here today? What's a sign? It's letting you know something's going on. Come see this. Come be a part of this. God still does signs. Doesn't he? Thanks be unto God. We're a part of it. 
On this rock I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I'll give to you, verse 19, the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you shall bind. Everybody say bind. On earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you shall loose. Everybody say loose. On earth shall be loosed in heaven. So this has to do with authority. Doesn't it? Authority. Is authority a part of the church? The keys of the kingdom. The authority of the believer. Now we talked about this in the last couple of sessions. I want to get further into it. What is the church of the Lord Jesus Christ? The title of this series is The Church. It's not just a Sunday thing. The church is not just a Sunday thing. What is the church? Technically, if you look up the words, the word church literally means the called together ones. Say that out loud. Called. Called. And called what? See, called out from whatever you were in and wherever you were from and called what? Called together. Sometimes the word church is translated assembly. And uh, those that came together in one place, and particularly you'll see that it's not just a physical thing, but in the book of Acts it says when they were in one place, in one mind, one accord, and then we see great things happening. When Jesus said, when two or three of you are gathered together, in mind it gathered what? Gathered together. Together. Somebody say together. Together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. If he's there, then his power is there. His healing is there. His his saving power, his delivering power, need-meeting power. Is there power in you and I and the church getting together? Oh, untold power. I said this, it'll bear repetition. When I first began to get into this particular uh, series and study for it and, and see that the Lord was leading me in this direction. I got a glimpse. I don't mean I had an open vision, but inside myself, I saw the enemy. I saw him when he sees the potential of the church getting together and what the church can do together. Yes. It terrifies him. Yes. Panic attacks sweep over him. Hadn't thought of that before, but I saw it. He is afraid of the church. And so he seeks to destroy it. And the, his most effective method, think about what the church is, the called together. Well, if you don't want the church to be the church and do what the church can do, what do you need to happen? See that the church is not together. Separate it. Divided and a house divided against itself. Can't stand. Can't make it. And the sad thing is he has been successful. I mean it's it's hard to find a group of over 30 people or that many that can stay together for any length of time. Huh? What are they saying? Half the marriages plus are not staying together in the country? Churches, you hear about churches all the time. They get together, glory to God, God called us all here, here we are, and you know, and then we have a split. And then the people that split have a split. Have you heard it? Have you seen it? And you're splitting and splitting and splitting. 
Now think about it. And you got, let's say you're in the state of Missouri. How many professing believers do you think are in the state of Missouri and Arkansas? What could we do if all of us put $10 on something? Huh? If somebody said, you can't hang a ten sign of Ten Commandments there, we'd say, how much you want for it? What? The city. <laughs> we'll just buy this city and clean it up, fix it up. Let's <laughs> see, people don't think like that, do they? Why? Because the devil has lied to the church for centuries. You don't have anything. You're not supposed to have anything. You're not supposed to do anything. You're supposed to be quiet. And just hold on till Jesus comes. Well sure he wants you to be quiet. He don't want you telling one other person about Jesus. He don't want any. He wants people to look at you that are not saved. To look at you. And how defeated and depressed you are. And say uh uh no thanks. I don't want to be that. Oh, but God, God, God has always been interested in building his church. Oh, come on now. Building it up. Manifesting his glory upon it. Letting people see his prosperity and his healing power and his goodness and his strength. Until people say, oh, that's what I want to be. I want to be like that. I want to look at them. They got they actually have a happy marriage. Look at that. I wouldn't have thought it was real, but I can see it. Look at them. Their kids are actually sane. Their kids actually have sense. And some respect. Oh, glory to God. They actually have all their bills paid. They prayed a prayer and God heard them and answered it. Friend, this is irresistible to the masses who are hurting It's irresistible. When people really see the true goodness of the Lord, it leads them to repentance. Draws them. When he is lifted up, it draws. Can you say amen? Amen. Don't believe lies. Believe the truth. It's good to be a Christian. It's good to be in the church. Glory to God. Can you say amen? Amen. We are the called together. Together. The church are those written in heaven, the Bible says. The church is his body. The Bible said the church is his bride, his wife. The Bible said the church is the house of God. The Bible said the church is the family of God. Now we looked, what was it, last week I believe it was, that... If the church is the family of God, he gave the criteria and qualifications for a man having oversight of a church. And he said he must have his house in good order. His children had to be in subjection. And of course the marriage had to be good. He couldn't be a drunk and abusive and a hitter. And he talked about different things. His family had to be right. Because it went on to say, if he doesn't know how to take care of his family, how can he take care of what? The church 
of God. Why would it say that? Of all the other things it could have said. Sometimes people try to make out like, well, how much does the man pray? Well, how much scripture can he quote? It didn't say that. Hmm? I don't care how spiritual he thinks he is or she thinks she is. If the marriage is a mess and the home is a mess, it's not right. Wow. See, people like to imagine, I am amazingly spiritual. I'm so spiritual, I can't relate to this natural life. And you got whole groups of people that separate from life and take vows of poverty and go off into enclosures to dedicate themselves to God. You don't find that in the Bible. I'm sorry, you do not. That's running and hiding. How are you going to do the Lord good? Hiding somewhere. It takes strength. I said it takes strength to live in day-to-day life. Hmm? You want to see one of the greatest victories in life, one of the most uh, greatest accomplishments in life? I'll show you. Having a good marriage. Having good kids. Come on now, are you listening? That's one of the greatest accomplishments in life. And it can be done by the power of God. You showed me somebody that's a good man, a good woman, honest, faithful, good employee, good daddy, good mama. That's a spiritual person. They don't have to roll their eyes and talk in tongues in front of me. They don't have to quote me a bunch of scripture. They're doers. I said they're doers, not just talkers, doers. But here's the thing, and people haven't understood this. The church, the local church, the universal church of God that's made up of the local churches is not to be just an organization. It's not just to be a social club, a humanitarian organization. Are you with me now? No. It is supposed to be a family. Family. Somebody say family. Family. Paul said in Ephesians 3, I bow my knees to the Father and God of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in he- family, family in heaven and on earth is named. Part of the family is already in heaven. Part of the family is on the earth, but it's family, family, family. But one reason why people don't know how the church is supposed to be, they don't know how family is supposed to be. Hmm? So we got leaders of the government. Uh, in past times trying to tell us about the global community and children raised by the village. Did you hear me? And it doesn't make any difference about the makeup and structure of the the mom and the dad and the family and all that. Listen, God ordained family and a structure. Did you hear me? And we saw how it's supposed to be in Colossians. We saw husband's Love, wives submit, which is very unpopular, and children obey, which is also unpopular. This is how you have a good family. Now, people got all kind of other ideas. Well, that's, that's archaic. This is the year 2006, preacher. Well, you have to make up your mind. But I've seen a lot of stuff fail 
And people write books. and This is how you ought to do it. And that's how you ought to do it. Friend, I don't care how many initials they got on the end of their name. And how lovely the cover is. And it's hardbound. And it's 200 pages. It's 300 pages. And the English is perfect. So what? What do they know? What kind of marriage do they have? What have they done? What have they built? What kind of kids they have? Did you? People don't stop and ask these questions. They just believe stuff because it's written or because it's convenient or because they heard it on the news. Don't you do that. God's got more kids than anybody. He knows how it's supposed to be done. And if he tells us this is the way to do it, then that is the way to do it. Everybody said out loud, love, love. submission. Obedience. Obedience. It's how you have a good family. That's the same way you have a good church. Say it again. Love. Love. Submission. Submission. Obedience. Obedience. He said husbands love. He said wives submit. He said children obey. Is this the Bible? Are we excited about it? (laughs) Well, if it has to be by faith, then say yes. By faith. By faith, I'm excited about it. Go to Matthew 18, please. Matthew 18 and 15. He said, if your brother, who's talking? Jesus is talking. If your brother trespass against you, go and tell him his fault. Don't go tell everybody else. Well, if we'd just do the Bible. Something between you and somebody? Don't go talk it all around. Go to, if it's worth dealing with, go to them. Go to them. And keep your mouth shut otherwise. Go to them and tell it to him. Between you and him alone. Do you hear this? This is Bible. Just between you and him. Between you and them. Man, if people would do this. It would just save so many problems. If... He hear you, you've gained your brother. That's the end of it. Got it fixed. Nobody else has to know. Right? That's it. We're done. (laughs) Glory to God. Uncomplicated. Not a bunch of aftermath mess to clean up. But if he will not hear you, then take with you one or two more. This is still not telling the whole community now, is it? No. This is still not calling everybody in the church. One or two. Somebody say one or two. One or two. And this is not talking about them behind their back. You and the other one or the other two are going to the person. They ought to talk face to face. Don't be a coward. Don't be unfaithful. Don't talk about people behind their back. It's called backbiting in the Bible. It's ugly. And it's being a coward. You ain't got enough courage to talk to them to their face. So you're going to go talk about them behind their back. Don't do that. If you say anything about them and they're not there, let it be good. If you got anything else to say about them other than good, be looking them in the face. Or don't say it. Let's grow up. Let's be real men, real women, not little kids, not cowards. You got an issue with somebody, if it's worth dealing with, 
Look him in the eye. How many know it comes out different looking a man in the eye? Looking a woman in the eye, it's different when they're there and they're hearing what you're saying about them. He said, do that. If they wouldn't listen to you, take one or two more. That in the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. And this implies witnesses that were there, that saw it, that knew about it too. Did you hear me? Witnesses. And you're saying, no, no, brother, that wasn't right. And they're saying, yeah, I was there too, brother. That wasn't right. The other guy said, yeah, I was there too. Hmm? And it wasn't right. And he said, if he'd neglect to hear them, tell it to who? The church. And if he'd neglect to hear the church... Let him be to you as a heathen man and as a publican, like somebody that's not saved. Wow. Now here's the thing. Jesus is speaking here. And he's telling us the kind of place the church should have in our lives. Isn't he? That when whoever he has placed over things of the church when they say no no you're wrong that's not right and this needs to change that should be the end of it but (laughs) the society we live in today do they have that concept absolutely not at all which is how far we've gotten away from what God has determined to be the church He said, if the church tells and says, this is the way it is, and they ignore it and rebel against it, he said, treat them like an unsaved person. Now, that's strong. I said, that is strong. But Jesus said it. Uh And he's got a good reason for it. And he's right. I said, he's right. My point is, what kind of place should the church have in a Christian's life? What kind of place? With millions, it is a side thing. It's something they do for a little while on Sunday. But don't mess with my business. (laughs) Don't try to tell me what's right and wrong. Hmm? That's every man's figure that out for himself. That's not Bible. Go to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 6. Somebody say, I like the Bible. I I believe the Bible. I I love the Word. I I do the Word. I I live by this Word. 1 Corinthians 6. Are you there? I'm going to read this to you from the New Living Translation. 1 Corinthians 6 1, New Living. Since when you have something against another Christian, why do you file a lawsuit and ask a secular court to decide the matter instead of taking it to other Christians to decide who's right? Why don't you take it to the church? Don't you know that someday we Christians are going to judge the world? 
And since we're going to judge the world, can't you decide these little things among yourselves? Don't you realize that we Christians will judge angels? So you should surely be able to resolve ordinary disagreements here on the earth. If you have legal disputes about such matters, why do you go to outside judges who are not respected by the church? People will go to a judge, to a man, to a woman, may not even be a Christian. Did you hear me? And fight to the last. I'm talking about people that go to the same church. In lawsuit with each other. Go to the authorities, people that might not even be good people. Live ungodly lives. Don't serve God, don't believe in God. Some of them do, some of them don't. He said, I'm saying this to shame you. Isn't there anyone in the church who's wise enough to decide these arguments? But instead, one Christian sues another right in front of unbelievers. To have such lawsuits at all is a real defeat for you. Why not just accept the injustice and leave it at that? Why not let yourselves be cheated? Instead, you yourselves are the ones who do wrong and cheat. And even your own Christian brothers and sisters. Is this happening in the world today? But now what I want you to see is, what's the problem? The church does not have this place in people's lives, does it? And I'm going to tell you why the church does not have this place in people's lives. It's because God does not have this place in people's lives. Are you with me? You can tell what place God has in people's lives by what place His church has in their lives because it is His church. And it is His choices and His appointments. The church is supposed to have a place in our lives where things can be settled and things can be fixed without us spreading it all over the news. Or all over the community. Or being drugged through the papers. Or the media. People ought to be able to come in. To the church that God called them to. And placed them to. Where they get fed. Where they get helped. Where they grow up. And whatever leadership has been there. Appointed by God. And under those appointed by Him. When the answer is given. That ought to be it. Whether people like it. Or whether they don't. That ought to be it. It's settled. But it's not. Because how do you have a good family? Love. That's the word. That's the word. We live in a generation where most don't even know what submission is. And don't want to know. Just sounds bad to them. (laughs) Just sounds bad. What it sounds like is I'm not going to get my way. Exactly. You are exactly right. Submission means you don't get your way. That's exactly what it means. 
But the truth is, there are times when if you get your way, it's bad. If you get your way, it's going to hurt you. It's going to cost you. And there are many times if you get your way, God didn't get his. There are times when you, when I need to submit. We need to say, "Mm, mm, mm. okay, Lord, not my will. But is it easy? No, it's not easy. Person who said it was easy for them to submit don't know what they're talking about. It's always been easy for me to submit. You don't even know what it is. No, it's not easy. But can you do it? Yes. Yes. Will it bless you if you will? Oh. Mm. 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 (laughs) What kind of place should the church have in your life? What kind of place should God have in your life? Then what kind of place should God's appointments, what he sets up, what he does, what kind of place should it have in your life? It should be top, right? Now, let me take just a couple of minutes here and try to explain this further. God sets in the church in rank as it pleases him. Listen to first Corinthians, don't turn there, listen to first Corinthians twelve twenty-eight. First Corinthians twelve twenty-eight. God has set some in the church first, apostles, secondarily, prophets, thirdly, teachers. After that he goes on. The very word submit means to, it's a military term in a lot of writings. It means to rank or arrange under. Somebody say that. Rank Rank. under. When you submit, you're acknowledging somebody has a rank above you. And your rank is under them. doesn't mean they're better than you. It means they have a different place from you. Are you with me now? The Bible said, submit yourself to God. So you give him a place over you, you take your place under him. I've heard ladies say, well, why should I submit to him? Because he's male. Nobody said for you to submit to him because he's male. Why should I submit to the pastor? Because he's whoever he is. It's not because he is whoever he is. Because it's God's choice. Whoever they are. Did you hear me? God chose. And if you don't respect his choice, you don't respect him. Can you see this? This is so important. Now here is where the difference comes in. This is what keeps it straight and keeps it clean. How does it work? The... uh, Let me say it like this. I've got a whole seminar here I'm trying to condense in a few minutes. Say this out loud. Fear forces. forces. Love leads. leads. Faith Faith follows. Say it one more time. Fear forces. forces. Love leads. leads. Faith Faith follows. Some groups in times past and even modern times have gotten a hold of this and said, yeah, we're the church and by golly, you're going to do what we say and we're going to make you do it or else. 
And people have rebelled against that. And it's not right. I said it's not right. God said, listen to the language. Don't try to turn there, but listen to it. The Bible said, you, I'm, re, I'm just going to read them and not give you the references. You submit yourself to God. Submit yourself to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. Younger, submit yourself to the elder. Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourself. Wives, submit yourself to your own husbands. Submit yourself. Submit yourself. What's the language there? Who's submitting you? You are submitting yourself. Who's making you submit? You are making yourself. Nobody outside is making You are submitting yourself. This language is so important. You are submitting yourself. The Bible never said, husbands, make your wives submit. Shepherds, make your flock submit. Never, never. It's wrong to think it and talk it. Every husband that ever pointed to his wife and said, the Bible says submit, and you're going to submit to me, I command you to submit. Wrong. Completely not the Spirit of God. Wrong spirit. Did you hear me? I've had husbands look at me when it dawned on them what was going on, and they said, well, Brother Keith, if it's completely up to her, I don't think she ever will. He said, if she never submits, what will happen? I said, she won't. If she never does, she never will. He said, what do I do? I said, you love and you lead. Love and lead. Love and lead. You submit yourself to God. When should God submit to us? When? How often? What situations? When should husbands submit to their wives? The answer is never. When should parents submit to their children? The answer is never. Never. Now don't misunderstand me. There can be many a time that you can say, Honey, you were right. I was wrong. We're going to do it this way. Because you saw the light. And you changed. But you don't say, honey, come on, I'm going to let you lead on this. You just lead and I'm going to follow you. Wrong. You never look at the kids and go, y'all are right. I'm going to submit to you on this. Y'all lead and I'm going to follow. No, but there should be times that you go, you know, daddy was wrong. And what you were saying is right. We need to do it this way because you decided that it was. Did you hear me? Difference between we're turning over to you to lead now and we're going to follow. I know this is tremendously politically incorrect (laughs) and unpopular. But I believe the Bible. How about you? And I have seen it work when nothing else would. I've seen it work. I've seen it straighten things out and get results when nothing else would. What if my wife won't submit? Then she won't. But that doesn't mean you submit to her. That's right. Amen. Did you hear me? Well, then there'll be problems. Yeah, there can be. And it can cost you. What if we won't submit to the Lord? Then we won't. Is he going to make us? No. It'll cost us. Won't it?
Is he going to eventually wear down and give in to us? Never. (laughs) No. (laughs) Oh, we're having fun now, aren't we? Somebody say, glory to God. (laughs) Say it out loud. You submit yourself. Yourself. How does it work? How does it work? Let me describe it just a little bit more. The head... Whoever God placed in a position of authority, they have the oversight. They love and they lead first by example. The head is strong, but in love. The wife. Now, here's the big thing. The people under the pastor, the people under the business leader, whatever, submit first to God. First to God. Go to 2 Corinthians 8. 2 Corinthians 8. Why doesn't the church have the place in people's lives that it should? Huh? Because God doesn't have the place. That's the real issue. 2 Corinthians 8. 2 Corinthians 8. And five, he says, this they did, not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. Read that out loud with me. First gave their own selves to the Lord And unto us by the will of God. Why would you submit yourself to another man or woman in a position or place? Why? Because you submitted yourself to God. And he told you to submit to them. So we're doing what we're doing with them because of our submission to him. We're not just doing what they said just because they said it. We're doing it because he told us, submit to them. And if we're not doing it, then we're rebelling against him who told us. Oh, can you see this? Can you see this? We live in a society that doesn't understand this at all, though. People are waiting, particularly in churches. Their mentality is, if they ask me to do something nicely... I'll think about it. If they ask me to do something, if they don't, then great. Forget it. I'm not doing anything. But if they ask me to do something nicely, I'll think about it. That is not how it works. I said that is not how it works. The Lord reminded me after service last Sunday. I was driving home and Phyllis and I talked about it. I said, you know, I see this clearer than I've ever seen it before. The Lord taught, started teaching me about humility when I was a teenager. And as soon as I got into ministry, he started teaching me about submission. I hadn't heard other people teach on it. I taught on it for years. And people said, where'd you get that? And I, the Lord emphasized it to me. And the further I go, I see why. It is such an issue. We came to Ramah. And the Lord dealt with me. I was sitting there. And he gave me my commission. I didn't realize it was for the next 20-something years. He said, 
help Brother Hagen. I heard from the Lord. I don't mean I heard a voice, but inside me. And I knew he didn't know me. I'm young and dumb and still got mud between my toes and can hardly find a scripture. And I thought, he's got people all around him. You know, what would he need me for? Don't second guess and question those kind of things. Just do what the Lord said. He said, help Brother Hagen. Well, I thought, does he need help? What? <laughs> but now, do you know who gets used? You know what kind of people get used? People who are available. The people who are available. Consistently available. You know what available means? Ready for immediate use. Ready for immediate use. So in my heart, he didn't know me. I don't know him. I'm first year student. I'm green as can be. But I said, okay, Lord, I'll do it. I'll help him. Show me how. And I made that commitment in my heart that I will be available. So I was there. I didn't clutter my life with a bunch of other things. I was there for prayer school and the classes. I was there for healing school. I was there. And when they said, we need somebody to go across and put cards together for register. Well, they need help. We need somebody to clean the floor. We need somebody to help people get out of the door. We need somebody to set up the room for the healing school. We need somebody, you know, Brother Hagen needs help. I'm not waiting on him to come ask me personally. Who would I think I am? Did you hear me? I'm making, I kept making myself available, making myself available. Well, we got used. They put us to work. And then we got used more, we got used more. And then they said, you know, we need somebody to help. One man can't do it all. Need to have somebody help teach people in the afternoons. And I thought, I looked around, I thought, I bet everybody would like to do that, you know. And myself and a lady were two that were picked. And I didn't see this till later. But when I looked around the room with all those hundreds of people, I thought probably everybody want to do this. And the Lord spoke to me later. He said, no, they didn't. And the ones that thought they did weren't willing to make it happen, to sacrifice anything. And so we were there. We taught in the school. Traveled with him. It just got more and more. It just advanced and increased. And then finally after, oh, I don't know, 15 some years. I felt like we were supposed to develop our own ministry more. And I talked to Brother Hagen about it. He agreed. And we, I resigned teaching at the school. And we went out on our own. And had meetings and had a lot of good things. We had meetings before that. But I mean we're just doing much more. And I'm out at a place praying and getting ready for a service. And the Lord speaks to me. He says, I did not release you from helping Brother Hagen. I thought, huh? I mean, everybody I ever knew that when they left the ministry or, you know, they, they went to their own thing. He said, you know, you were right to resign teaching in the school and do what you do. But I, you assumed it meant you were released from helping him. I never told you that. I thought, Lord. And I checked my heart about it and I came and talked to Phyllis about it. And so immediately, now I want you, this is the part I want you to get. I didn't see it that way then, but I see it clear now. We... With our own money, we made our schedule where it would work, and we found where they were, and we paid the money, and we got ourselves down, and we got ourselves a room, and got to the meeting where they were, and eventually I asked him, I said, could I speak to you? I wouldn't have said that, except I had 15 years with him, you know, and, and, and he said, yes, and I, and I said, Brother Hagen, 
the Lord dealt with me that we're not released from helping you. Can we help you? And Phyllis said, I saw baby mom, you could use some help with ironing. And, and I said, well, I can help, you know, with driving the car. I can help with hauling stuff in and out. And I can be in the service. And he had me sing before. I said, I can sing. And he said, well, I, let's see. And so they began to use us. And boy, the next, what, five, seven years were some of the richest that we had been involved with. But would not have happened. Would not have happened if we had waited on Brother Hagen to come find me. Are you listening now? And ask me to come help him. What did we have to do? We went to them. Submitted ourselves to them. Not because they're the most amazing people on the planet and they're so far superior human beings to us. No, they would have never told you that. He didn't believe that. Why? Because we had submitted ourselves to God. And he said, submit yourself to them. And serve me by serving them and help them. Oh, but friends... Do the masses of Christians see that it is your responsibility to take yourself to people and to submit yourself to them and make yourself available to them on a regular basis? Do people do that? No, they don't. No, they don't. You know why they don't do it with people? Because they don't do it with God. They're busy with their life. They don't want to be bothered. They don't got time. They got too much going on. And that's why the church is weak, isn't it? And splintered, isn't it? Say it out loud. You submit yourself. So you know, a godly man, a godly woman is not going to run you down and beg you night and day. Did you hear me? Not going to happen. And they're certainly not going to try to make you do anything because that's devilish. A godly husband is not going to yell at his wife night and day, submit to me, and you are going to submit to me. No, godly man's not going to say the word submit to his wife. Ever. Did you hear me? He's going to lead, though. And if you follow, it'll be good. And if you don't, it'll cost you. But they'll keep leading, keep loving and leading. Leading and loving. Loving and leading. Some will follow, some won't. Just like some follow the Lord and some don't. But he keeps loving. Doesn't he? He keeps loving. He keeps leading. Doesn't he? His sheep know his voice and he calls. says, come on. Come on, sheep. Follow me. That's what Paul said, wasn't it? Follow me as I follow him. Can you see that? Why do we submit ourselves to men and women? Because we have submitted ourselves to God first. And then he told us to submit to them. So out of love to him, I don't care if you even think you like them all that much or not. If he told you to do it. But you got to bring your little self. Even if your flesh don't want to, grab your ears and drag yourself up and say, here am I. Have you got it? Well, I, I, I told him twice that I was available. Yeah, right. If you don't get used, it's you that's losing. It's you. You got to keep showing up. You got to keep showing up. Say, hey, I'm here. You need me for anything. Here I am. I did that for two years. 
Did you hear me? Yeah. I just kept showing up. I go, yeah, I hear it. He said, help Brother Hagin. I thought, well, I got to help Brother Hagin. Well, he don't need your help. Well, yeah, but I'm here. He's liable to tomorrow. And I'm here. Yeah, but he's got 40 people doing this and got 50 people doing that. Yeah, but he's got me too. And here I am. And next week, here I am. I'm available. And it won't take long. They're going to need something. And ain't nobody else going to be standing there. Right? It's going to happen. And you'll go, yeah, I'm still here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Am I available? Absolutely. I can do it. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. And you go. And you get into the plan of God for your life. You get into things that affect the kingdom for eternity. And it's only those who are willing to bring themselves and submit themselves and make themselves available that qualify to be the faithful and those counted worthy to inherit the kingdom to come. Can you see this? Everybody stand up on your feet. Let's lift our hands. Let's begin to praise the Lord. Oh, glory to God. Oh, praise you, Lord. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.